You're listening to Chicago's Gospel Podcast, a show that explores how the unchanging gospel of Jesus Christ shapes your life in an ever-changing city. In each episode, we'll take you on a tour of the city to discover how the gospel speaks into both the unique opportunities and challenges Christians face in an urban context. This is a show from Chicago and for Chicago. So let's get to work. Welcome back to Chicago's Gospel Podcast. I'm Eric Viker, and I'm here with my co-host, uh, Will Pereja, and we're excited for part two of our conversation with Xavier Torres. Uh, he's back, as we alluded to in the first episode. He's got a voice for radio and a face <laughs> for television. It's an amazing combination. Good to have you back. Yeah, good uh, to be back. Uh, last time, we talked a lot about what you do, why you do it. I think we got some really helpful bits about what it looks like to connect with college students and to ultimately connect them to Christ through his gospel. Mm -hmm. And so we want to continue a lot of those themes. Just feels like there's enough to juice here uh, to to continue the conversation. Uh, So, so brother, Will, uh, you had a few things you wanted to ask him about. So I think within the last year, um, well, first of all, I should say, in somewhat full disclosure, um, my my son has greatly benefited from your ministry at, at Western. It's not wasted time for him, and uh, we're grateful for you mm. and your impact on his life. Uh, and of course, having a kid in college there in your ministry field, mm. uh, he, we hear things. Um, so, and then of course, being young adults, we don't hear things. Um, so there's three yeah. things I think of that we've found out that I think bear and highlight, or should I say just scream for the need for your ministry. Mm. This may happen a lot, I don't know, but um, he told us last year some freshman kid was just, was at a party, got so wasted, he gets in his mm-hmm. car, yeah. gets in somebody's car, j- drunk as could be, and then he runs over another student accidentally yeah. and kills her. So that guy's freshman year... His college career is done because his, 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 his life is done over. in a yeah. sense because he's now he's going to be in jail yeah. probably. So there's that. Yeah. Um, and I'm just curious. You don't have to answer this this second, but uh, how when when things like that happen, I assume news like that does that get around campus or oh, something yeah. as serious as that, or is that just like oh well, man, honestly, uh, not as intense as you would it assume it would be like. I remember when that happened the next day, we we're back on campus and someone had mentioned it to me. And I was like, you know, like bring it up to some of the guys at the table. I was like, man, you guys hear about what happened last night? And like hardly any of them, any of them did. And when I would explain it to them, it wouldn't even be so much of like, a, oh man, like RIP. It would just be kind of like, oh man, that's tough. I was like, that's all you guys got to say. Like yeah. someone, like one of your fellow classmates died last yeah. night. And was murdered by. <laughs> right. Murdered by another. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, I don't know how we should phrase it. But um, yeah. And, and it, it was honestly just kind of shocking to me and even a little baffling. But mm. when you take into account, like you were saying in the last episode, this spirit of apathy that a mm. lot of students have, it almost just coincides with that view, with that feeling. Yeah. So instance two yeah. is a Michigan State shooting 
mm. on campus several months ago. I think it was yeah. this last semester. Yeah. Um, that's MSU is only, I think, 80 miles from, mm-hmm. from Western. Yeah. And so I know there was, when things like that happen, there is some camaraderie and uh, solidarity mm-hmm. and I guess whatever normal rivalries are between the schools, you know, in a sense, uh, kind of fade into the background because of uh, what happened there. Yeah. But that's another instance um, that was very public, mm-hmm. um, yeah. nationwide news, right? Yeah. And it's at college campus. Mm-hmm. You know, how does that, what does that do for guys like you who are on campus ministry? I guess one I guess one act reaction that I would have just for anything is like, well, I'm glad it wasn't me. I'm glad it wasn't my kid. Da, 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 yeah. Da. yeah. And then the third one, um, which probably wasn't as known as, but a little bit closer to home is just recently one of my son's um, apartment, not, not his apartment buddies, but oh, one of the people yeah. in the complex yeah. was found having taken his life. Mm-hmm. And part of that was, I, I don't know, was related to, um, a relationship that didn't work out. Mm. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that student was a, a Western student or is a Western student. Yeah. But but the point mm-hmm. is, is that here is are three live scenarios mm-hmm. where a college student is confronted with, with death yeah. at the age of 20, yeah. 19. And what does a campus worker like you, how are you mm-hmm. processing and how do you I'm not saying take advantage of that, but what's yeah. good, what does that do for yeah. for those of you who are ministering front lines in university evangelism? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah I mean, obviously, you know, the first thing that we want to be thinking of is uh, how can we have discernment um, when approaching this topic? You know, we like you were saying, we don't want to full on take advantage of the extremely um, unfortunate circumstances that play out. Um, at Western Michigan and at Michigan State. Um, but I think we would also be foolish to not address it at all um, when it comes to having deeper conversations with students. Mm. And so trying to think of how do we walk that line of, you know, I think this is um, an, a seriously sad uh, example of the brokenness that goes on on the college campus. Um, but also this is... Uh, uh, an opportunity uh, for us to speak into the lives of students who uh, might not be thinking further on down the line of their own mortality. Um, and so I think uh, when approaching these kinds of conversations, you know, like I said, we want to do so with discernment and maybe just ask, you know, have you heard about what's what's going on? Have you heard about what's happened? Um, you know, how are you feeling about it? Mm. Like, um, you know, where you, do you feel like you've been affected by these kinds of things? And maybe just allowing that to flow into organic conversations. Maybe we don't even bring up spiritual things, but we're just listening to the students and hearing what their thoughts are um, and having a conversation with them about that. Um, and, you know, Lord willing, if there is a way for us to interject with some sort of truth or, um, you know, pitch for the gospel, uh, then I would hope that we have the boldness and the courage to do so. Do you get a sense, brother, of how how scared the university students are to die? I mean, it's hard to tell when, you know, week after week, they come back to class Monday or Tuesday and they're talking about, you know, the um, stuff that they were involved in 
the weekend before. Um, but I do think that when things like, like you know, students passing away or um, shootings occurring that you get a sense of, man, maybe there is something going on deep in them, but it's almost like, you know, going back to that apathetic um, lifestyle, they don't want to give it any attention and they rather just kind of um, bury those thoughts and those feelings under, you know, a gallon of alcohol or, um, yeah. Yeah. I think one of our church members, whether he coined the term or not, he talked about, um, the apathy, apathyism, mm. not atheism, yeah, but uh, your apathy yeah. related to the existence of God and mm. the relevance of God for some of that. Yeah. Um, so the connection between these three episodes that, that you're describing in, a, in our previous conversation mm-hmm. that we had in part one is in both circumstances, you're holding up eternity to, to, a, yeah. to a degree, yeah. solid foundations, that which is lasting, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. In both circumstances, yeah. I'm getting the sense that it's critical that we snap people out of the immediate mm. and cause them to consider the eternal yeah. That which is beyond the, this fleeting moment. Yeah. Is that is that oh, a yeah. fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say so. Uh, almost just like these are like opportunities for us to comprehend a wake-up call to these students. Yeah. 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 So g- give our average member who's not a college student mm. just some advice, some tips about maybe entering into that aspect of the conversation how how do you awaken that sense of there's something beyond right now mm. in a college student mm. beyond your tool that sounds really good yeah yeah for sure um man i i think being patient with people mm. would probably be the first thing why that it, well because the second thing i would say is we should be asking them questions. Mm. We should ask them good questions. That's great. Of, you know, what does this kind of stuff make you think? Mm. How do you feel? Um, you know, even asking maybe more um, explicit questions like, what do you think happens when people die? What do you think is going to happen when you die? Mm. Um, obviously, you know, you should do that with discernment of where your relationship is at with this person and you know, who this person is. Um, but I think just trying to really uh, seek to understand um, and help kind of draw out students from underneath the rubble of, you know, their partying and their um, just busyness uh, so that they can actually come face to face with like their actual feelings yeah. and their thoughts on the subject. Yeah. yeah. What about for college students who are in Christ, who are trying to reach non-Christian college students? Similar advice, yeah. same advice, very different. What would you say there? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I would probably say the same. Yeah. Um, I think they even m- might have an opportunity to uh, gain a relational edge to it as well. Um, you know, I think like one thing that campus outreach is in the business of is making disciples who make disciples. Mm. And so helping uh, to disciple these students and an understanding for the benefit of a relational um, evangelism to take place is 
something that we're always shooting for. Um, and so I would tell that student that is hoping to reach their fellow classmates or roommates uh, with the gospel, the same things like, man, you, you have the benefit of um, almost like relating to this person. Mm. You're going through the same things that they might be going through. You're having the same thoughts that they're possibly having. Same temptations. Same temptations. Um, and, you know, you can even be a benefit to this person um, by being that voice of reason and conscience mm. um, that will allow you to then present them with um, your views on the Bible yeah. and your views on what truth is. Yeah. So how have you seen college students who are in Christ and who are thriving in Christ yeah. How have you seen them offering like an alternative uh, lifestyle and an alternative life to those who are sort of bought into what you described in the first episode yeah. being expressive individualism? Yeah. How How is their way of life, th their Christian faith different and better than actually the promises that expressive individualism gives? Yeah, that's a good question. Um yeah, I would like one just to maybe champion uh, Adam Perea, uh Wilson. Yeah. Um, just because I think, like, you know, um, every week he is with us in church. Uh, whether he shows up on time or not is a different story. But, <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, but no, I think, like, just the fact that he is there faithfully, um, you know, almost every Sunday, uh like 99% of the Sundays, aside from the times when he's maybe sick or something like that. Um, and I think just the fact that he, out of his other three roommates, um, going to church and making it a priority in his life is a good testament uh, to them. And I would even say it's probably one of the reasons why uh, his roommate Lucas has always been, has, has been so open to talking about these things with that and, because he sees that, um, you know, these things are important to Haddon. And while they're maybe in the same uh, circumstances of life, um, I think he can see that there there is a difference. There is uh, something that Haddon is experiencing that is different from what other students are experiencing. And I want to know a little bit about what that is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. That's so good. campus outreach isn't the church. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Campus Outreach um, is very much about local church partnership. Um, when we plant on a new campus or a new region, we come under the authority of a local church um, that is, you know, gospel-centered, Christ-proclaiming, Bible-preaching. Which um, in Kalamazoo for your group is? Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church. Fantastic. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, you, you mentioned how our ministry was really impactful for Haddon, uh, but I would even say uh, attribute a lot of that to the sermons that he heard uh, Pastor Neil preach um, any given Sunday. And uh, the times I've heard his testimony, it's been uh, more focused on the sermon he heard that Sunday um, that influenced him to uh, make a profession of faith. Yeah, praise God. I... I... I've been thinking about um, Charles Simeon, um, who was a single minister in Anglican Church in the 1700s. He actually, when he converted, what snapped for him was during communion. Mm. 
and and then the Sundays and hearing a sermon preached and then wrestling uh, during communion. Hmm. So that's I think that's good that the students get into. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Church. Um, I think that's the end. The end goal is not just relationships, but mm. baptism into the local church. Yeah. Well, yeah. you said something in the previous episode that in terms of like how you operate, you're trying to get in and see how the students tick. Mm-hmm. When you said the word tick, it 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 made me think of you actually, the clock is actually ticking. Mm-hmm. On relationships with students, right? For yeah. campus out, for any kind of campus evangelism, yeah. right? Because you only have four years, maybe, maybe with yeah. with students, yeah. and that's what eight months out of the year. Yeah, yeah. Talk just a little bit about that. Yeah. What does that feel like? I don't know. I don't yeah. know because I'm a pastor. It's year round. Yeah. And though I do yeah. have students, mm-hmm. I, that's a it's another kind of bear, you know. Yeah. But yeah, uh, for, sure. for you though, what yeah. does that do? Yeah. Well, I think it uh, definitely. Uh, makes us, um, it, it forces us to be more strategic about how we're actually sharing the gospel with these students, how we're engaging these students with the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're not being strategic and we just kind of go into every school year thinking like, well, I'm just going to go to the CAF, I'm going to go to the rec and see kind of what happens. Um, I think it would be very foolish and a misuse of the resources God's provided to mm-hmm. us to be able to share the, with these students. Um, and so because we have, you know, such a limited amount of time in the semesters, like as soon as they get started, they just feel like they're flying by, right. you know, um, I think it really, uh, forces us to have to think, you know, what events can we throw together? Um, what ways and conversations can I have with students? Um, even training your mind to kind of gauge where a student is at on their spiritual journey. Cause everybody's on a spiritual journey. Um, whether you're the hostile atheist or the um, kid who grew up in the church. Um, Mm. um, And even, you know, beyond that, like a Christian is on their own spiritual journey of sanctification. Um, And so trying to discern where the student that you're speaking to is at and then using that um, as, uh, using that framework to know how can I engage with this specific student on issues of the gospel. Like, am I talking to that hostile atheist? Because obviously most of my conversations are going to be uh, one with like a spirit of um, curiosity, a spirit mm-hmm. of curiosity, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then for like the student that it maybe grew up in the church but hasn't necessarily connected the dots yet, you're asking them more intentional questions about their views on the Bible, what they would say the central message of Christianity is. Um so yeah, I, I would definitely say that it forces us to be strategic and forces us to really train our minds for how do we engage with specific students. Um, and, you know, I'll add this as well. Um, the, one of the reasons why Campus Outreach is so uh, keen on a local church partnership is exactly what you're saying. Like, we're going to have at most maybe five years with a student if they, you know, take a fifth senior year. Um but beyond the college campus, they're going to have another five decades worth mm-hmm. of laboring and discipleship. That's a good point. Um, and so for us to, you know, even get those students plugged into local church as soon as possible, um, you know, again, using discernment and how we invite them um, is going to be more beneficial, not just for our ministry, but for their lives beyond the college campus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hopefully I'm not putting Good Shepherd Prez on blast here with this question, but how does the church <clears throat> itself respond to 
the, the increased traffic. Mm. The, I mean, you guys are part of the church, the working team of mm-hmm. campus outreach, but like st- the student traffic, yeah. how does the church yeah. respond? Is it like eye roll? They're going to leave in eight months. I can't <laughs> wait till we have more pew space or, or what? Uh, no, I would definitely say that, um, you know, most of the churches that I've experienced on my time in college um, and beyond that working with churches as a staff member, they most, most of those churches are really eager. Uh, to want to serve, uh, want to help us in our uh, desire to reach these students, providing meals for us, providing space for us to host student events. Um, And I would definitely say that uh, Good Shepherd is, uh, you know, no exception. Like they're very um, eager to wanting to help us and even um, build the relationships with the students we bring ourselves. Um, So, you know, Haddon's good friends with uh, one of the church members there named Trey. Um, they've, you know, even gotten lunch together um, a handful of times to, you know, just um, maintain a friendship. Um, I can even think of a really funny instance, which I, I definitely want to share. There's this uh, one kid that was coming with us pretty consistently to church. Um, this is really big dude, like 6'4", like just under 300 pounds or something like that. Uh, quite intimidating looking dude, you mm-hmm. know. And one time we brought him with us to church and I was looking for him after service in the fellowship hall and I see him across the room speaking to the like daintiest old, uh, and I'll say this old white lady. <laughs> and it was just such a, such like a picture. Uh, like I almost wanted to take a picture because, you know, you had this giant 6'4 uh, beast talking to this tiny, you know, old a lady, and um, after the service, I was asking Cam, you know, what her and Luann were talking about, and he was like, oh, she was telling me about art, because I really like art, and I was like, this is so crazy, like, like such an encouragement to me to see, you know, like, even those that you wouldn't expect to try and to get involved with our students, yeah. like, sharing yeah, with them. That's so beautiful. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So, brother... Um, you are able to do this ministry for free, right? Like you just, you work 40 hours on campus yeah, and then, right. then you go and, and you flip burgers provides. and yeah. drive Uber, right? And the, just yeah. the apartment and food appear out of nowhere, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, no, so um, as a campus outreach worker, um, you know, technically a missionary. And as a missionary, I uh, raise the funds for uh, me to be able to provide for my family, uh, which is my you know, first and foremost, pool of ministry. Um, they are ground zero when it comes to my ministry and, and evangelism. Uh, you know, like I said, we have uh, two daughters, a two-and-a-half-year-old and a two-and-a-half-month-old. Hmm. Um, and so for myself to be able to provide for my family, you know, housing, shelter, food, um, all that kind of stuff, we rely on uh, the faithful support of um, our brothers and sisters in Christ who also see the need for these students to come to know Christ. Um, and they will join us uh, both prayerfully and financially in uh, pursuing that goal. Yeah. So you you will have to periodically, um, and that's what you're doing in the summers, mm-hmm. uh, to go and make up for whatever losses and income or when your family is growing. Yeah. So yeah. this, by raising funds. Yeah. You are in a sense freeing yourself to be full time. 
yeah. to this so you don't have to mm-hmm. work a side job. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. So what you're looking for, which isn't a bad thing, is you're looking for gospel patrons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I say that because I just finished listening to a fascinating book by that title okay. of of how a guy named um, Humphrey Monmouth um, hmm. helped fund the translation of the English Bible for, with William Tyndale hmm. um, and Lady Huntington, who helped George Whitfield take bring the revival to America, hmm. and how John Thornton uh, helped fund William Wilberforce and the, and the combating slave trade in England and John Newton. Mm-hmm. And I, th- those three characters come to mind as people who are people of means who used their their wealth, call it, or their assets to deliberately propel the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure in your time of having to get to the point where you can be on campus, mm-hmm. you've met some people like that. And mm-hmm. and you you bank on that. Mm-hmm. You you are this is what you're doing as your life calling. You're under like a five-year contract, right? And you have mm. three years left on your contract with Campus Outreach. And so so you are looking for gospel patrons, not yeah. merely people who are just going to, you know, bankroll and then forget about it, but people mm. who are vested yes. in seeing God glorified in the salvation of souls yeah. in your particular mission field. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, you know, a piece of scripture that I like to quote when I'm explaining to people why I raise support is Philippians 4.17, when Paul is uh, explaining that, you know, not that I seek the fruit, or not that I seek the gift, mm. but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And so when um, going to people and explaining to them this vision and asking them to join us um, financially, it's not that I'm hoping they'll just give me a handout and then be done with me. But I really want them to see this as an opportunity to invest in the kingdom work we're doing on campus um, and see me as an extension of themselves when I'm going to the college campus, when I'm sharing the gospel and seeing students, you know, by God's grace, come to know him. That's their fruit to bear as well. Mm. Um, And so I really want people to understand um, the weight of what we're asking for, for from them. And the importance of yeah. why we're um, raising these funds. And I bet you are so thankful for whoever was supporting Nate France. Oh my! Years gosh. ago, yes. yes. Um, when when he led you to Christ, yeah. but Nate couldn't have done that without people supporting him. And now, yeah. you, in a sense, are kind of because you're like a child of of a disciple from Nate and yeah. and Phil and other campus workers. And now you are in a sense you're paying it forward. You're you're coming back. And you're you're doing the same thing, mm, yeah. And uh, you know, I I see you that way. Mm. And there are many many people who lose their faith at college. Yeah, they go to school having grown up in religious homes, and they just they just trash it, right? Yeah, it's like sixty percent of kids who grow up in the church end up leaving the church beyond high school, mm. right? However, that period of life also is the time when there are many who find Christ. Mm. So the the campus, the university campus, at, I mean, at least here in the United States, and I've heard in the UK, is just ripe for the picking. Though there's hostile things, there's though the fields are white, mm. and so I I commend to our listeners 
whether you have means to support a guy like Xavier, who's not working in Chicago, but he's a product of Chicago, or maybe you're somebody who says, you know what? Our north side churches in Chicago need to band together and really make a deliberate attempt to reach the universities here on the north side. Okay, you've got Tony and and his team down on the south side at UIC. Chicago needs more workers. And maybe you're a student listening to this and you're in Christ and maybe you maybe you should consider giving the first three to five years of your life mm. um, going on to the college campus as a missionary and bringing the gospel mm. to them. And it will require a patronage. This is not handouts. This is, it is a privilege to serve the Lord with our money and because it's all his anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember when I was younger, I would describe myself as poor, but we all are, I think, when we're in our 20s. Yeah, but yeah. but I, I remember the generosities of people to us in certain points mm. and how you never forget that. You never forget that. And even though I was a Christian, there was somebody who helped us with a meal or a bottle of water or uh, something with a car. Um, that mm. went a long way. And as I remember back to those days of being younger in ministry, I I remember with gratitude the people who saw it as part of their joyful ministry to give mm. like that. Mm. And I, I, I think I think a person like you and Tia and those you work with should find joyful benefactors and gospel patrons because of the fruit, as you say, it's not just you that benefits. Mm. This is an eternal work. And and friends who are listening, I would just encourage you that the what the field of college university ministry is is white for harvest. And here's a guy from Chicagoland who's doing it. We need more workers there. And we need more workers here in Chicago. Mm. And maybe you don't have to be a, a patron, somebody with a lot of money. But maybe you can start after you've given to your local church, right? I would say yeah. that you are very much give to your church first. Yes, and sir, yeah. after you've given to your local church, um, consider... Um, um, partnering in this way with a with a brother like Xavier, mm. and so we'll have in our show notes a, a link that you could help, that you could click on, that you could um, use to support um, Xavier and Tia Torres through Campus Outreach and the wonderful ministry they're doing there. And when when you do that, friends, would you also pray that God would raise up laborers in the north side of Chicago to start a campus outreach arm, maybe through Addison Street Community Church. Mm. Amen. Well, brother, why don't we end with just a, a brief uh, glorying in the gospel itself. What is the unchanging gospel mm. for yeah. both non-college students and college students alike? Yeah. Well, let's start with God. God is perfectly loving and perfectly just. Mm. And he created us to uh, reflect that perfection. But because of our sin and our desire to become our own gods, mm. We have failed at that drastically. And because of our failure to reflect his perfection, we deserve a righteous punishment. But God sent his son in his own gracious mercy to live the perfect life that we should have lived. 
die a wrathful death on the cross that we should have died, raised three days later from the grave, and ascend to heaven, so that anybody who calls upon him as Lord and Savior and have faith in him alone can receive salvation. Hmm. What an amazing gospel. Some people could say the gospel better, but no one can share a better gospel. Amen. Uh, Well, thank you for tuning in. Pray for Xavier, as Will just said, and we'll we'll catch you next time. Hope to have you on the show again, brother. Appreciate you coming to Chicago just for this. (laughs) No, he's been been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. he's been been in town for other things, but thanks for taking the time. Of course, God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining the conversation on Chicago's Gospel Podcast. If you're benefiting from these conversations, consider sharing this podcast episode with a friend or neighbor. We would also love to hear about topics you want to discuss. So reach out to us with your ideas at gospel at ASCCChicago.org. Until next time, remember that Christ's unchanging gospel is transforming your life in an ever-changing city.